Welcome to the Women of Steel podcast hosted by Tata Steel. I'm Mia Singleton and throughout this series I will be talking to the women who hold power positions and those changing the landscape of steel. The women who are working towards creating a sustainable organisation in the face of a challenging world steel market. Our guests will reflect on their career and how they believe working in a male-dominated environment has shaped them. Today's guest is Deidre Fox. Deidre joined British Steel as a graduate in 1985, specialising in HR. Following her appointment as a HR manager for the UK distribution business, Deidre spent the next 20 years working across the commercial sector. One of a team involved in introducing a colour coat line in Turkey, specialising in marketing, strategy and sales management. Following 10 years working as a strategy director and then deputy MD as part of a team responsible for building global trading, living in the Czech Republic and travelling the world, Deidre later led the energy and power sector for the business. She is currently Director of Strategic Business Development, for which Deidre has overall responsibility for ensuring the company's industrial strategies and manufacturing issues are represented at governmental and wider stakeholder, including customer group level, with the aim of ensuring policy change and parity across markets. Now, if this wasn't enough, Deidre is also Deputy Chair of UK Steel and Chair of the UK Steel Industry Procurement and Commercial Group not to mention corporate lead for Tata Steel on Brexit, where she's responsible for ensuring strong relationships with customer trade bodies so that we align and understand and might influence in areas related to our customers in the automotive, construction and other relevant sectors. Married with two children, Theodora, aged 20 and Miles, 18, you could say Deidre has it nailed, a successful woman in a male-dominated field. So, Deidre, what is your secret with such an amazing career behind you um, and still to go? Could you ever have imagined as a young girl wanting to be a journalist that life would take you to the steel industry and beyond? Morning, Nia. As I listen to that, even I think that's quite a lot to have covered. Um, but, you know, like any career, isn't it? You, you don't quite realise what you're doing whilst you're doing it. And it's only when you reflect back. And I think when I was when I was thinking about this conversation in advance, I was I was thinking, what would I what would I say to my sort of 21 year old self or even to my 20 year old daughter now? Um, And I think the things I know with hindsight is I've always been lucky in being able to have fun, um, worked with great people and I've had a huge amount of variety. But I also know don't plan your career too rigidly because you never know what's around the corner so no me as the the aspiring journalist of of long ago would never have thought I'd be where I am now (laughs) (laughs) no because it's uh, your your career has had many twists and turns it seems looking you know just looking back over the last sort of 30 years and joining the organization as as a graduate in HR um, and now in your current role as um, director for strategic business development it it is quite a journey actually isn't it and as a woman in a traditionally male industry where we are often told that women can't achieve you seem to have achieved it all you know so what is your secret in reality what what is it how have you been able to do it I I think there are two there's a couple of things that help uh when I first came into the industry uh the company was recruiting graduates after a long period of not having having done so um, I was very fortunate in the first, what, five years of my career, I had a very good mentor 
Um, mm -hmm. He was a, a senior HR director. Um, he was interested, he was supportive, he coached me and he helped me. Um, and that made a huge difference, having someone at a senior level that I could, I could go to and I could talk to. Um, because it was a very isolating place. Um, there, were, there were only a handful of, of female graduates who joined the company that year. Um, it was, as it is today, very predominantly male, but it was much more macho then than it is now. Um, I've seen changes in, in, in the attitude of male colleagues now from, from those I worked with at the beginning. So I think that was the first thing, um, was a mentor. Um, I think, to be honest, the second one, I never saw things as being difficult. I don't want to be as trite as to say, you know, everything was an opportunity. But business is about solving problems. And, and if you are, if you develop a skill that means you can solve problems, then you will make progress. Um, so that would be the second thing, I think, was being realistic about what it was I was trying to do. Yeah, because, I mean, you just touched on there were very few women in the industry when you joined. And it was a very sort of male, macho um, type environment. What, what was your early career like then, being one of probably the only woman in the room oftentimes or the only woman um, in a team? Um, did you find that hard? Was it disheartening for you or did you sort of think, well, I'm just going to be myself and, and prove people wrong? Yeah, I think being I had three brothers when well, I've still got three brothers when I was growing up. So I was and my my father worked in industry. So I guess I, I had experience of, of that sort of male environment. And I mean, I, I do remember in the early days, the inevitability of if we were in meetings, I was the one that was asked to pass around the coffees. I was the one that was asked to do the photocopying. And, you know, when I rang people up, it was always assumed that I was somebody's secretary. Yeah. Um, and I think I decided very early on that the way to kind of survive was not to adopt male traits, but actually use skills that I think a woman has that, that I mean, I don't want to get into gender stereotypes, but women do work differently. And quite often, I've, and I've always felt I could communicate. So I think communicating asking questions and listening. People loved to talk about what their jobs were and what they were doing. So I learned that it, actually, if you listen to people and understand what their, their jobs are, what their roles were, they were then more likely to help me. I think the second is, I'm mean, early days, I remember negotiating with local trades unions. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think they quite knew how to handle a woman. And that was a benefit. Um, so, you know, sometimes things that can seem a challenge actually become something you can use. Um, but I think even as we have this conversation, a lot of it was around communication. But I, it wasn't easy. I mean, it really wasn't easy. And there were days when I was coming into work where I just thought I'd love to sit and have a coffee with someone who's the same as me and doing the same things that I'm doing. And they weren't there. Do you think then that female representation in the workplace is important for other women and particularly for young girls aspiring to be in positions and leadership positions in an in industry such as ours? Oh, gosh, I think it's so important. I'd, and I'd actually go one step further and say having a, a mix of people in leadership. Yes, it's about women, 
But actually, you can extend that out and start to talk about the black and Asian minority ethnic community, um, because the more variety that you get within your team, you get more ideas, you get different ways of thinking. Um, and as I see some of the the sort of new recruits, some of the women we have coming through our organization now, I so enjoy working with them and engaging with them because it's lovely to see more women coming through who actually don't see the environment as a challenge as much as I did, I think. So we have changed. I mean, we've changed a lot as a company, but we're not there yet. No, we're not there yet. But I think it would be fair to say that it's um, because of women like you who sort of blaze the trail for other women and young women to come through into the industry and, and not to have to struggle as, as hard as probably you would have had to, to to have a seat at the table, you know, and to not always be the one who gets the coffee and who does the photocopying, because I think that still does happen, doesn't it? So you say that um, you worked, uh, you were working in, in commercial and you lived in the Czech Republic um, for a couple of years. How did you find that um, being away from home? Um, a woman living on on your own in a different country that was a that was a huge challenge and I mean something I noticed early in my career was that my male colleagues would have their you know they'd have their golf clubs or their pubs that they would go to at lunchtime Mm -hmm. and actually as a woman you kind of didn't get included in those things not then Similarly, when, to, when I went to the Czech Republic, and, it, and at that time, there weren't a huge number of expats in Eastern Europe. There's loads now. But the expats that were there were not women. I didn't, I, I didn't really meet any other working women. There were the wives of male expats, but there were no other working women. And that actually was really tough. And I would lie if I, if I didn't say that there were times when I was incredibly lonely. Because the, you know, what you wanted to do was go out and, you know, sit and have a drink on a Friday. But actually, in order to do that, you would have to be in a, what was, you were essentially kind of pushing your way into what was quite a boys club, really. Now, I found ways of dealing it. I joined, you know, I joined other groups that, that enabled me to work through that. But they weren't working women. They weren't in, 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 in that business sense um they tended to be women who were there for another reason so i having more female representation in the workplace and actually supporting women on that journey um i think is really important and i think companies do get a benefit from that oh absolutely i think you know like you were saying being diverse across the workforce is is really important but i think you speak to then something around um, the culture of the organization and actually probably the culture of society at the time um, and then it must have been lonely for you as a woman then to try and, and, and seek professional relationships with other women when perhaps they weren't there. You know, um, I don't think maybe a young girl would have that experience um, in 2020. You would hope not, certainly. But um, what would you say then? Because that's a big challenge. That would have been a very big challenge for you. But what have you been most proud of in your in your career to date? What have I been most proud of? I this is a really difficult question. I'm, I mean, I'm, in, I'm incredibly proud of the success that I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, equally, it's, you know, I've had such a fabulous, interesting career uh, and I continue to have. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that. I think it, it, it sounds almost a bit trite, um, but I, I have 
always stayed the same in my view. I don't think as a person I have changed myself because of the environment that I'm in, in order to succeed. That's given me some challenges mm -hmm. um, because either the way my, so my style, the way I operate isn't always a style that everybody might like. Um, I suppose that's a problem we all have. Um, but by and large, I've kept my integrity and I've remained the person that I am. Um, and I think that's the thing that I'm, I'm most proud of. Um, it always surprises me sometimes when people tell me I'm scary. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I should say that because I don't think I'm a scary person at all. But even my children tell me I am sometimes. So I suppose. <laughs> well, you're allowed to be frightening to your children. <laughs> yeah, well, like that's, a, that's a fair point. But also, I do, I do find even today, you know, I can be in a meeting or in an environment and it'll be all, you know, white middle-aged men, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll say something and I just won't get heard. And then I'll hear someone else pick it up and say the same thing and they will get picked up. So I still, I still see and hear examples of where I, I almost feel I suddenly slip into the background again. But it's interesting what you say about... Um your reputation and, and you know you've had people say that you're you're intimidating or scary or frightening but do you think that um that would be leveled at a man do you think if, if a man behaved yeah. in the way that you did is forthright and you know stuck to their guns do you think that would same would be said about a man no he would be commended for showing leadership yeah for sticking to his point and being firm so I think you're absolutely right. The use of language with women is, is different. Do you know what, though, Nia? If, if we got upset every day when things don't seem quite right, then, well, I, I would have moved on a long time ago. And I think, actually, the other thing, what am I most proud of? I, it is lovely to get to a point where you feel you can be a little more outspoken, yeah. um, that you can be challenging, um, because actually, if you do that as a woman, you do tend to get noticed, which is a mixed blessing. But but it is. You know. But I, I think you you will have you've earned your stripes, haven't you, in the industry? I don't think anybody would be able to say, well, what does Deirdre know about steel? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know it in in and out, inside and out. So I think you, you've earned your stripes there, haven't you? But it leads me on to another question, which we always level at at women, and and certainly would very rarely level it at a man around you know you've had a very successful career uh, working at high levels and you're still working at a high level but you yet you you have a marriage and you have two children how did you juggle that because women do predominantly have to do most of the the, the child rearing the child care and they take on sort of the emotional load as it were how did you manage that um I have a very tolerant patient and supportive husband um, and we and we really did manage to be quite flexible between the two of us. But but we we both worked full time um, right up until my husband stopping work a couple of years ago. Um, and we didn't have family to help us. I mean, I do look back now and just it makes me tired to think about it. Actually, where we were really fortunate, I think, is we were able to employ au pairs. We were able to to have professional childcare when they were really little. Um, I, I am hugely sympathetic to 
women who don't have the fortune to be able to afford to do some of those things. And yet they're still in a family where you've got two parents working and, and you're trying to do everything. I, I, I think that must be so hard. So I was able to um, have the right childcare in place, um, which enabled me to travel. But there is no doubt that there are things that, that I probably missed as the children were growing up. I do remember sitting in a, transiting through a, an overseas airport and getting a phone message saying my husband has had to take my daughter to hospital. Um, and I had that decision, do I actually fly home or do I go on? Now, it wasn't quite urgent enough for me to come home, so I went on. But, you know, my children will tell me today that, you know, do I remember the, you know, the, the event that, that, that I missed? I didn't miss many, to be fair, but they always remember the one that I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it was hard. But I think the other side of it is I, you know, I was lucky. I had some really good bosses who were, once I'd earned my stripes, were flexible and let me flex around the job that I was doing to enable me to get that family life as well. So I think that relationship with your team and with your, your boss is really important. It is because I often wonder, um, do men feel the guilt that maybe as women and as mothers that we feel for, for missing events? Because um, I've missed events for my children as I've, I've been away with work and my husband may have missed the same one, but I don't think that he feels the guilt that I would feel around that. Um, and I wonder, you know, what can we do as women to sort of ease that guilt that we feel around work life and home life? Because this idea of having it all is, is it's impossible almost in a way you know there have to be choices made um around do you work part-time and then you're able to attend every Christmas concert and, and school sports day or do you work full-time and aim for a career that then you can be proud of and hopefully be a good role model for your children at the same time I I it is such a difficult question I think what I do know is I can sit in in a, a sort of open plan office today when we weren't in lockdown um, in an open plan office. And today I will see male colleagues leaving to go and do a school appointment or leaving to take their child to the dentist in the way that I never, ever saw, say, 20 odd years ago. So I think there has been a big change, not just in the way women are thinking, but I think men recognise more of a responsibility and actually want to be part of their children growing up. I do recognise, though, that ultimately I always have caught the balls with children. Yeah. You know, if, if there was something that really needed doing, I knew I'd be the one that would have to sort it in the end. Um, because, well, I don't know, maybe it's because I... I felt it was my job to do it and not my husband's. So it might be as much my fault as his, you know. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think that's it. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves as women, don't we, to, to try and strive and achieve and not let any balls drop, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, but I do think, at, at the risk of doing this gender stereotyping, the women I know are very good at juggling lots of balls at once. Um, the men actually less so, but, I mean, that's the sort of one that will have people... <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, there was a there was a really tricky bit in my career. It's it's long ago, enough ago to talk about it now. But when I came back from one of my maternity leaves, I remember being told that the job I was coming back to, I could only do if I came back full time. 
you know, if I wanted to do it part time, that job was off the table. And yet that that was the job I'd left. Now, these days, actually, you wouldn't be able to do that. And at the time I accepted it, I, uh, with hindsight, there are, there are more things I should have challenged that I didn't. Um, and it wasn't for fear of losing my job. I think it was almost right. If that's how you're going to be, then I will rise to that one and deal with it. So, yeah, tricky. So I suppose your determination of spirit sort of has, has got you through the challenging times because now as a, as a director in the business, we have very few female directors um, in Tata Steel in the steel industry. How do you think um, we can move forward and have more female representation at that very senior level in the business? What would you say? I know this is a very difficult question, but what do we need to do as a business to diversify at that senior level? Yeah, it's interesting. For for something else, I was looking at our, our gender balance numbers and in the sort of senior management population, we've got sort of 5% more seniors than, than we did have five years ago. So there's been some progress. Um, I think there are a couple of things. The, the mentoring piece I talked about early in my career was hugely valuable. And I would love to see uh, more senior directors and senior managers in the company taking mentoring responsibility for bringing through young women in our organization and actually taking risks with them risks in inverted commas you know um I was an HR manager when I got a call from from someone saying we think you should take some time in commercial and I was put into a role where there were better qualified candidates than me um, but but a risk was taken and I and I delivered so I think a piece around mentoring a piece around enabling women to go into roles that that maybe they haven't done before um, that's another one I think the third one and we're already doing this in in South Wales which is connect the women that we have in our company so that they can become a a supportive group to each other because that builds confidence. And, you know, I love seeing some of the exchanges through our internal Yammer group um, of women exchanging experiences and exchanging successes. So I think it's celebrating success. Um, And then the final thing is we have to learn to be more flexible around working hours around um, balancing work and home life. I had someone in the business, doesn't matter who it is, um, say to me recently that they didn't feel that they could do a particular job because they were currently working part-time. And my challenge to them was any job is capable of being done part-time if it is done in the right way and with the right support and the right people. So I think we've got to learn how to adapt to a new way of working. Arguably, that's not just about women. Actually, that's about the the whole of our working population. I think so. And I, I think hopefully we will have learned from this recent period of lockdown where lots of us have been sort of forced to work from home. Um, I think more than I, I, I believe the culture of the organisation was presenteeism, um, you know, people sitting at their desks, being there, being visible in the workplace. But I think lockdown has demonstrated to us that 
we can work from home. You know, managers have had to have trust um, in their team that they're doing the jobs that they're being paid to do and are doing them well. So hopefully that will help ease the burden on all, you know, men and women working, but predominantly women who do have that sort of the other home life admin burdens that they have to take on the school runs and we can be more flexible now as an organization because we've demonstrated that it can work and it does work yeah and I think you know we 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 talk about the the sort of family burden of children but actually I suspect if we engaged in a wider debate about flexibility there will be people who've got caring responsibilities in other areas it might be spouses it might be parents so so actually that whole Becoming a bit more, dare I say, touchy-feely as an organisation would certainly help women leaders coming through, but it might actually make us a a different type of organisation more widely. The other thing, actually, I'll just pick up now, I think for women, we go through these, you know, there's the early career bit where we've got all this ambition. Then there's the piece around how do you manage children and family and, and then wanting to come back into work. But of course, the other thing that really never gets talked about is that women at a certain age then have to deal with menopause. And that becomes a huge issue for some women. And actually, I know recently there were some workshops run in South Wales about this, which I thought was fabulous. Um, The the chief exec of Seven Trent Water, um, who is an interesting leader, she's quite young, but she has put the menopause on the agenda for her company as a way of helping women through that stage of their life so that they're not trying to manage mental and physical health issues at the same time as potentially managing, you know, a a senior level career or a challenging career uh, at the same time. So I think there's lots, there's sort of lots in there around the sort of different times in a woman's life as she develops her career. Absolutely, because I I feel as um, even five years ago, I don't think as an organisation we would have been mature enough to have those conversations around menopause, to be hosting quite widespread across our South Wales sites menopause sessions where both men and women attended um, to understand you know, the changes that a woman will go through and how it might affect them in the workplace as well as at home. Um, so yeah. it, it's really encouraging actually to see that. It is. And I think probably uh, many, many people, men and women actually, don't understand just how difficult that that time in a woman's life can be. Um, really, really debilitating, I, I believe. So, you know, uh, yeah, I thought it was great when I heard about that. I, I will admit to being very surprised. Yes. <laughs> but I thought it showed great maturity as an organisation. Absolutely. Now, going back to you as, as a woman at a senior level and often being, you know, one of the only women um, at the table, you're currently Deputy Chair of UK Steel and then the Chair of the UK Steel Industry Procurement and Commercial Group. Is that a boys' club or would, would I be wrong in assuming that? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know, it was interesting. The, um, I was talking to the, uh, the Director General for UK Steel a while ago and uh, he had recently attended a sort of round table meeting chaired by a senior politician who was a woman and it was steel industry and other manufacturing people in the room and apparently they'd all walked in they'd all sat down and the female politician looked at the room and said so it's good to see that manufacturing is being as predictable as it always is 
with white middle-aged men and there was a complete silence around the table apparently um so is it a boys club it is a it is an environment dominated by men um but the people i work with in that environment and that's you know that's that's a widespread manufacturing and steel environment actually are starting to recognize that having a woman with ability being able to play a role has additional power i mean it seems a shame that you actually have to use being woman as a differentiator but you know take your advantages where you find them frankly um and it does mean you get remembered i've always said being a woman in in manufacturing is great if you get it right because you get you are remembered unfortunately if you get it wrong people are far less tolerant and of course if you get it wrong it's because you're a woman so if you do a bad job as a woman well that's why we don't we we're not going to hire women again you know whereas if if you're a man and you just do a bad job it's just because john was terrible at his job you know it's not represent he's not representing all of all of the other men that will come after him um which is unfair but i do I, you know it is changing slowly slowly it is and i've always there's, there's there's that you know sort of debate that goes on around um positive discrimination you know should we should we have quotas for women should we be be deliberately promoting women up into roles just to 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 satisfy a sort of number and i've always been quite anti that because for me I, and i can see what i and i know there's areas where it's been successful but i always worry about tokenism i worry mm-hmm. that that it then becomes she only got the job because um and i think that would be a worse position to be in somehow but it's back to your earlier question change has to, i think change has to come because people realize that there are really excellent women in the same way there are really excellent men it's just there are some different challenges as being in being a woman and actually the main one is no one else can have children you know nothing we can do about that one yeah so you are now the taking the lead from the business on Brexit as well so um yes. another very challenging topic which sort of will go across all of our business or so Brexit um if if done well could benefit the business would you say or is it too early to tell you know how the business will fare with a with a good deal on Brexit we clearly need a good deal a good sort of fair uh, free trade agreement with Europe and then i think the opportunity for the uk side of the business is is in two places one is around promoting the value of the, the real promotion of us as a business with strong local assets we make brilliant products and we service world class customers in the uk so working with them post brexit to do more sort of global trade is a real opportunity uh, so that local piece and then the second one is there will be selective trade agreements for us that will be that will be really positive um and if they're not for us directly then our customers will be looking for where they can export more post brexit um so it, you know it's very easy to see the the challenges of brexit but we are where we are and we need to manage that and there could be opportunities 
but we need to, you know, we need to take the right steps to make the most of those opportunities. Um, I think what's been what's been really quite um, quite heartening to see, and I guess this is the bit about female skills communication. I've pulled together a range of people from across all parts of our business in Europe and in the UK to get our preparations done for Brexit. And actually, that group has worked together really well. Um, and the sort of communication, the coordination that we've we've managed to achieve, I think, has been great. Um, we've just got to turn that into a plan that works. <laughs> That's the bit we've got to finish. Well, I've no doubt with you um, at the helm, Deirdre, we're going, we're going to get there because you're certainly very determined um, woman and um, you don't take no for an answer, really, do you? So really. <laughs> I think, I think we'll get there. <laughs> we'll, have our, we'll have our opinions and voices heard. I, I know that much. Yes, I, uh, certainly we're doing we're certainly doing our best to make sure that happens. Yes. So finally, if, if you were to um, travel back in time and visit 18 year old Deirdre, what would you tell her? What advice would you give her? Um, I would say don't expect to have a life plan and stick to it. Um, because things rarely turn out as you expect. So when an opportunity lands, grasp it. Sometimes, actually, you don't want to overthink something, uh, so grasp it. I think the other thing is be kind to people, be nice to people. That, that again, that sounds a bit, you know, a bit trite. Um, but I've... I've learned that if you are kind to people and support others, that actually you will get that in return. Um, and the key thing, have some fun. Oh my gosh, you know, we business is so serious. Our industry is so serious um, and we have some massive challenges. But as a leader, you've got to make sure that your teams can see the fun in coming to work and know that they can have a conversation that will be listened to. So that's the other thing, learn to listen. People are great at talking, but learn to listen. Those would be about the key things I'd say, I think. Well, I think that those are words of wisdom for all of us there, Deidre, I have to be honest, and especially around being kind and listening to others and um, taking on other people's viewpoints. Um, I think we can all do with a little bit more of that at the moment. Um, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It has been so enlightening speaking with you um, and learning more about your career and the challenges that you've had and what you've overcome. Um, still lots of work to be done. You know, you're, you're deep in the trenches with Brexit and, 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 and trying to ensure that the business gets the best deal possible. And um, I know with you working on that, taking the lead, that we will, our voice will certainly be heard. So thank you so much for talking to Women of Steel podcast and um, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you very much, Nia. I've enjoyed the conversation.